This morning, I'm going to try not to be one of the first preachers who has uh, ever fallen asleep during his own sermon. Uh, we had a great week. I would like to say this. Uh, getting 13 second through fifth graders showered and to sleep is exactly as hard as it sounds. It, it's a blast, but we had one, I'm not going to mention his name because David and Jenny don't want me to, but the, uh, <laughs> we had one who at uh, one point, uh, you, have to, you have to go shower, shower um, one cabin at a time. In middle camp and senior camp, they just, you go get clean when you can get clean. But at, ju- at junior camp, where there's little kids, you go shower but cabin by cabin, so uh, mainly so that all of them will get showered. Because otherwise, they're just going to roll in the dirt and call it a day. <laughs> so I, we had all our kids in there in their shower stalls. And they, you know, they forget everything. We have to go from our cabin to the shower house. And we walk up there and make, make sure you get your towels, your clothes, your, your new, new pairs of clothes to sleep in. They got their jammies and their... They're, they're, they're all their, their stuff. And they get up there and they set it on the bench and they get in the shower and take none of it from the bench to the shower with them. They go in and they, they get wet and then they stick their head out and say, Where, where's my stuff? Well, you throw where you left it. So they're constantly hollering. You kind of have to stand by the door and wait for them to say, Benjamin, and I'd go over there and I'd say, what's going on? And I need this. And I'd say, well, where is it? What does it look like? And they would tell me and I'd hand it through the curtain or over the wall there. And uh, At one point, well, just, we'll give it away. Roland, sweet little Roland, <laughs> says, Benjamin, walk over. What is it, buddy? Hold on, I'm, I'll, I'll be done in a second. I said, Roland, you called my name. What do you need? <coughs> oh, I, I just talk sometimes. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you yelling my name was one of those times. I came and saw the man. You, listen, I, 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 a couple of things. I love our kids. We had... All of our kids were in my cabin, and we had by far the best cabin. Right? Where's Ty? Right, Ty? Well, Ty, Ty. Ty's hand is so long. He raised his hand. It was shocking. Ty, Ty was there. We had, we had the best cabin, right? All the other cabins were full of just the worst kids. Our cabin was the best. And they came, most of them came from your, from, from your family. And we're just so blessed to have some really good kids. Uh, and and we, we, we're, we're just so thankful that, uh, that in, in, see, in my, in my cabin, we had Tyler, Vaughn, Enrique. We had um, Roland and uh, Logan and Lucas. And we had one more from our group, and I'm missing them. Who? Owen. Owen and Owen. Yes. And, they, and then in the girls' side, we had Clara and Lene, and Allie, and, uh, and Audrey. And we, we had a huge group of kids who go and get to learn and sing and, 
and talk about God and about Jesus for a full week. And there's nothing better that you could have done for them. And I'm just so thankful for you, for those of you who donated to the bake sale um, and uh, who, who, who we sent them to this camp. Because it was, it was a great, great week. Um, also, forgot one thing. You do not have to bring anything tonight. Just yourself and stuff that, like the stuff that Andrew mentioned. I know what your instinct to, to make some beans. <laughs> Don't make anything. Just come and enjoy the, uh, the time together. Uh, and so I, 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 I want to commend you and, your, and the young families here especially for having such, such good kids. We were on our way back. Um, is Owen in the, in the auditorium? Okay, good, because he would be embarrassed by this. Um, We were on our way back, and about Locksburg, Owen, Owen Reese, (laughs) Mike Reese's grandson, (laughs) you'll be proud of this, Mike, said, hey, can we sing church songs on the way home? And so we did. Just me, Ty, and Owen at first, just the three of us, Belting out church songs, and then Roland joined the party, and then eventually everybody, Tyler joined. So we, we had, uh, you have some really good kids, and there, there, sometimes there's a fear that the world's getting worse, or that these kids are fantastic, and there's more of them like it. And I'm just so thankful for you and for them. And uh, also, I've, uh, this September, I will have been here five years, and I... No, 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 Good grief. Well, where's my applause going to be on this in September? You wasted it now. But my point was, that wasn't my point. My point was that I, I used to go to church camp and come back and think, oh, goodness, this is awful compared to what I just went to. And I'm very thankful to be a part of a church that feels like church. It feels like a like a, a group of people who love God together and are doing life together. That's what church camp is: is that we're all together and we're working in. Um, no, the, the the people who are selfish don't work in camp and they don't work at church. The people who are all about themselves will mess up a church and they'll mess up a camp. And this has always been the message of God: is that your selfishness will eventually ruin. Your community. Um, you're only focusing, only getting what you can get and hoping others don't get what they can get will ruin your community. And even when John the Baptist came and spoke and was ready for the Messiah, was making way for the Messiah, that was his message. You know, we often quote him as saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. But like he, he had some very detailed instructions. They are found in Luke chapter 3, and we'll get to 3.16 in just a second. Verse 7, though. John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptized. Oh, thank you for coming. This is really nice. We're all glad you're here. No. He said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you? Who warned you about the coming or to flee the coming wrath? 
Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. See, here he's not setting up a system of how everything... He's not, he's not taxing the people. He's, he's promoting a selfless community. He's trying to get us to see that what we have to offer is often what we need to offer to those who need. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Now, tax collectors were mostly Jewish, and they were probably collecting the tax from Herod. Uh, There were two two different rulers in the area. There was uh, the, the... the Roman representative and then the sort of the Jewish king. They called him the king, but he was really a, a tetrarch, which is like a second-rate prince. And he, he would send people out, and they would have to pay double taxes. So the tax collect, the Jewish tax collectors were hated more than the Roman collect, tax collectors because those who cheated as Jewish tax collectors, were uh, knew, they knew better. But the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? He told them, don't collect any more than you are required to. That was often what they did. They went out to collect $6. They collected 8 and pocketed 2 And then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? Again, these were Jewish soldiers probably probably serving in Herod's uh, palace guard. He replied, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. I was pulled over falsely just yesterday. (laughs) I was in Oklahoma. A bad idea to begin with. (laughs) And I had my cruise control set on 65, which is the exact speed limit on that highway. A policeman was up ahead of us, parked. There was, I say us, because there was a white SUV gaining on me like the Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> And so as we passed this police officer, his lights came on. Well, I pulled over so that he could chase down and, and send to jail this guy. <laughs> and he pulled in behind me. And walked up and said, license and registration. And I said, uh, oh. I said, how, how fast was I going? He said, pretty fast. Uh-uh. That's not a math answer. <laughs> I said, how fast was I going? He said, uh, he, I gave him, my, he said, license and registration. He took it back and um, reported me. Or They do, probably just, I don't know what they do in the car back there. But he was doing something. <laughs> and then he came back up to my window and I, I said, what, I'm sorry, what was the speed limit? 
Because I, I figured that's what I did d- done wrong, is I thought the speed limit was one thing. He said, well, what do you think it was? And I said, well, what do you think it was? And he said, actually, what I said was, well, I'm guessing it's 60, because I was going 65, and that's how, why I got pulled over. He goes, no, it's 65. And I said, well, what'd you clock me at? He said, a lot faster than 65. Again, no math. And I said, he said, well, there were two of you there together, and I clocked both of you, and I just, I saw you pull over and saw him speed off, so I, I pulled over. So you pulled me over for obeying what was, I was supposed to do. And he said, well, he said, I will, I will give you the benefit of the doubt. And I said, thank you for your grace, dearest Lord. <laughs> But, but some drug runner was already three miles ahead of us. But what they would do is they would pull people over. Not pull people over, but, you know, speeding on your donkey or whatever. And they would pull you over. And they would say, if, if this guy was a Roman, a Roman guard uh, or a Jewish guard who was extorting people, he'd say, oh, hey, um, you need to, maybe if you lined my pockets, I would let you off with just a warning. Um, and they would, they, would, they would lean on people and make them pay them money so that they wouldn't falsely accuse them one way or the other. And he says, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. I know you're not making a lot, but you can't, you can't make more off the backs of other people. The people were waiting expectantly or hopefully or excitedly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be The Messiah, John answered them all. Verse 16, I baptize you with water, but one is more powerful than I, one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Real quick, this verse is confusing to us because we hear the word baptize and we think of one thing. But baptize is a... um, it's just a it's just a Greek word, baptizo, that we didn't we didn't want to translate, so we just took the Greek word and made it an English word. Baptizo just means immerse. So if we can if we could use just the word they use, and John here is having a play on words. He says, "I baptize you. I immerse you with water." But there is one who is coming, who will immerse you with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And fire. You will be immersed. He will, his immersion will be Holy Spirit and fire. Now, there, there's a couple of ways to take fire here. The first could be pro- like, like we just kind of connect the two. Holy Spirit and fire are like this, uh, this w- one way of understanding, uh, two ways of understanding one thing. And some people will point to Pentecost where the, the tongues of fire were above their head. But... Um, particularly in Luke and also in Acts as we see further throughout Luke's writing, uh, fire is associated with judgment on a regular basis. So this isn't one baptism that's taken, immersion that can be taken in two different ways. It's two different types of immersions. And when we see the Messiah coming, we will find one or the other. We will either find an immersion with the Holy Spirit To be overwhelmed, to be consumed by the Spirit 
of God. I mean, I think that predominantly means to produce the fruit that the Spirit produces. To find in ourselves a love that is beyond our ability to love. A joy that is above our capacity for joy. A self-control that we did not have before that we can only glorify God for. So the, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those, those fruits, those fruit, that fruit of the Spirit, God will produce that in us if we claim the Messiah to be our King. But, Jesus is very serious about our actions needing to change. And either we will be immersed in the Spirit, or we will be immersed in fire. And there he's not pointing to, like, we're not, we're not going brimstone here. It's, an, it's, a, it's a way the prophets used to talk about, you will be judged for your actions. You will be held accountable. And I love to talk about grace, but God helped me. If my speaking about grace never changes the life of someone else. God help us all if us pointing to and following the resurrected king never actually influences my day-to-day actions. That doesn't produce in me a generosity. It doesn't produce in me a love for people who aren't like me. God has called us to be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection. But what we find there is also a baptism into the Spirit. He says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We don't just get Freedom from our sins, our past, at our baptism. We don't just receive a a freedom from our past. We also receive a power for our future. And it's without that power, we will find judgment. I think here it is an option. Although many there's a bunch of scholars who agree and disagree with me, so what do you know? Jesus comes to bring. He actually says in Luke 12, after he's um, talking about, he's he's getting on to them quite a bit in Luke 12. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. That's not the calm put in his hand. That's Jesus comes with wrath. Jesus comes with seriousness sometimes. A lot of the time. He's been beaten with many blows. But the one who does, does not know and does the things deserving punch will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I have come to bring fire. On the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. This is 
the words of Jesus will continuously throughout your life challenge you to be better than you are. Because Jesus will not pull punches with you. Because the mission is too great and the goal is too important for us to be just sort of doing what we feel like doing and sort of being involved. What, what you're, what you're, what you got to ask yourself is, is Jesus alive? Did the tomb open up and did, did, was he gone? Was he walking around? Did he fish with Peter? Did he eat with John? Did he show Thomas his wounds? Did he talk to his disciples? As a not dead anymore human. Because if that is so, I've got to decide whether I'm going to follow him. Whether I'm going to be immersed in the spirit or whether judgment's coming upon me. Because it's coming. I, I want to, on a regular basis, come back to the idea that grace, that God's salvation is a gift. But God's salvation comes with a, a ever-refining life where God is constantly working on me and changing me and shaping me. I don't go to the chiropractor. Um, I, I probably should. I don't know if we have, do we have. We don't have any chiropractors in our church, do we? Okay, good. Um, it's, just rarely trust a Dr. Steve, you know, <laughs> right? But there, I'm just, the reason I don't go is because I'm just nervous they might accidentally kill me. I can just see the headline, local preacher dies shirtless. I mean, I can feel, like, I just, I feel they're going to grab my neck and pull it beyond what I can handle. And then, like, I, I feel like that's just going to be what happens. I know for a fact it probably won't happen, but I'm not going to go and test it. Because now I know better. And everyone wouldn't have any sympathy on me because he said from the pulpit he wasn't going to go because of that. And then all of a sudden he went. There he is. But sometimes being pulled and stretched and put into the proper alignment takes some pain up front. You have to be immersed or completely consumed with the Spirit of God. Or you have to feel the heat of God's judgment. And know that the way you're living right now is not the way to the kingdom. Not the way of the kingdom. Let's say it that way. That the lies and the greed and the envy and the gossip and the slander, that, that is not the way of the kingdom. And that God, Jesus came to lead a bunch of people. Not please and entertain a club that's pretty happy with the way we're going. Jesus came to immerse us in his spirit. To feel the, the heat 
of what of what God can offer us. Like God, God can God can offer us salvation. God can offer us condemnation, and we have to take that so seriously. The world is asking us to be led by the Spirit so that they can be free in our leadership to follow Christ. So that they can see us follow Christ and follow Christ as we follow Christ. We're, we are called to that, and I think, I think we're going to be judged based on it. I mean, God's going to take that seriously. God takes the way we act, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we interact with others, the way we interact with people whenever they're not there. He takes all of that so seriously. And Jesus has decided that he, Jesus came not just with a peace offering. He says later in Luke 12, I came with a sword. There are going to be families divided over me. Try forgiving that person your family doesn't want to forgive. Try loving that person your family doesn't want you to doesn't want to love. Try doing the hard things that your family of following Jesus when your family doesn't want to do it. God, God is serious about the way our lives look. In comparison to Jesus. God is very serious about how we how how we walk. And so we we get to choose our immersion. Either the Spirit empowers us for the future, or we stay complacent with the with the forgiveness of the past and don't don't move anywhere as a follower of Christ. It matters what you do. Now notice I'm not saying, we talked about this in class a little too, I'm not saying that every little misstep is God getting excited about condemning you or judging you. But there will be judgment. And we talk about grace a lot, and I want to, next week we're right back on it. But we've got to know that there is coming a day when, when what we have, who we have claimed and who we have followed matters. And the only way to distinguish a follower from Jesus from a non-follower of Jesus is that followers of Jesus follow Jesus. You can't claim verbally to follow Jesus and then still live in the same selfish self-centered, egotistical ways of living. And those of you who are thinking about other people right now, I think missed my point. We all need to be reshaped and changed and, and grown. And, and listen, the, the, the spark of judgment may put us on the path to being immersed in the spirit, but the immersion in the spirit, the God's spirit overwhelming us and producing within us is what will give us power for the future. God's spirit with us, God's grace with us 
is what allows us to follow Jesus and to have the strength to do that in the first place. So, this week, what is it that you need the Spirit to change in you? How do you need to be realigned? What is it that you have done that makes you a selfish person but needs the power of the Spirit to be controlled, to be patient, and to be joyful, to be full of peace and love? And you will then be reshaped to look more like Jesus this week. Maybe there's something in your head, but if there's nothing in your head, ask your spouse and trust them. Say, I'm ready. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just saw some faces of people who were anxious to tell their spouse. I did not say, tell your spouse. I said, ask your spouse. There's something that you can be, that God can shape you and change you. And maybe you're not going to get better at it today, but you're going to get better at it seven years from now. It's going to be slow and you'll notice it over time. But the God, God is slowly working on you. And when you get done with that, God's still working on you. And it's not because he hates the way you were. It's because he loves who you are. And loves who he's making you into. into. And that, that sort of God is the God who's worth having a relationship with. The one who, yeah, judgment's coming. But for them, judgment wasn't like this big, bad, evil thing. It was those people who are against me will have their comeuppance. Yeah, I can rely on God to make things right. And I can rely on God to make me good. If you have been trying this for yourself and you've been failing, if you need to be immersed into water, if you need the gift of the Spirit, if you need to start this journey of being reshaped by God, or maybe you just sort of given up on that journey. And while you claim to be a follower of Christ, you're not actually a follower, you're not actually doing the following. If you need anything this morning, please come forward while we stand and sing.